There's a 1K at Atomic for Modern, mm-hmm. which I choose to skip to go to this event instead. Yes. And, which is an hour and a half away in Thomasville, North Carolina, which is oh, yes. you know, exciting. Not a large town. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I get there, and the power is off. Good start. Not in the store, or rather not just in the store, but in mm-hmm. all of Thomasville. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. And I've I've got I got there like an hour early, so I'm like, all right, I guess I'll head to Atomic. Do what? No, I, I didn't have <laughs> enough time because he started earlier than. Mm. Like if I drove to Atomic, they would have already been like almost in round sure. two. Yeah, yeah. So I did think about it though. <laughs> it would have been great. Came back. At like they they met, I messaged him on Facebook around like eleven forty or something to see if it was still happening because they said power would be back on between twelve and one, mm-hmm. and they said, "Yep, we're just gonna do the tournament twelve thirty, because that's when the power will be back on." Hopefully, the tournament got pushed back to one o'clock, and we still did not have power, so we took oh a vote God. on whether we were gonna just do the tournament without power. <laughs> uh, which had some weird implications. Everyone voted yes, by the way. It was like, mm-hmm. of course, it was it was kind of neat. Just it's like flesh and blood. Know. What do you need a computer or the lights for? Yeah, it's not called computer and lights, guys. Come on, no. Uh, but that led to some weird. You know, you can't process credit card payments if you don't have power, right? So we used a combination of the honor system and if you could have internet because all the towers were down so mm-hmm. some people could have internet and some people couldn't you could buy a ticket through like their online store mm-hmm. but basically when the power come out you're expected to pay that was a wild move by the way by the organizers i would not yeah. have thought to, to just like you know here's 30 dollar tournament uh just pay it if you can please you know we can't really if you don't have cash we're not going to turn you away that kind of deal but everyone was really chill about it. And to my knowledge, no one like skipped out on it. I mean, sounds like a good community. Yeah. The Flesh and Blood community has impressed me with like the level of maturity in it. I have only met one person I cannot stand. <laughs> which is far, Pretty far good fewer rate compared to other card games. Than, yeah. Yeah. Magic. So we played the first two rounds in the dark, you know, in air quotes in the dark. And the power came back on round three. One of my losses was in the dark, so I don't know if that should count. It was clearly a sneak attack. Uh, the, the, the event was fun. I mm-hmm. did really badly. Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 246 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. We are your hosts. I'm Chris Castor-Rappel. With me is Lee McLeod. Hey, Lee. Oh, hey, Chris. Lee, are you excited to talk about Explorer for the first time ever on I, the MTG Grindcast? I am not excited. See, <laughs> I have this issue with uh, Magic Arena, and specifically their deckless policies, in which they do not publish them. <laughs> And I really, really enjoy going over deck lists and seeing what cards or people are playing and stuff. And it's just not an easy way to do that for this stupid format. Yeah, so I'm going to be entirely reliant, basically on just you on the ground floor who's been playing in queues. Yeah. So I've been playing a lot over the weekend and today. So I can at least give 
an overview of what people seem to be playing, what I have been impressed by, what I have been uh, underexcited by, underwhelmed by, I guess is a better <laughs> term. But yeah, the deck lists don't exist. Like your best bet is to just like be on Twitter and follow Fire Shoes and bookmark decks that like look good that people have posted. But there's no events. There's no so like I went on Melee and there's five tournaments and only one of them has more than like 20 people in it. So it's just it the stuff doesn't exist at all yet for this format, which is kind of neat a little bit going into like, oh, yeah, got to be good at this format for the play ins and the qualifier weekend. Like you can get an advantage by just being a person who is trying hard and paying attention and figuring out what's good. And the information just isn't out there. So you have to do all the heavy lifting yourself. But also like I don't like I have a magic podcast and I can like justify dedicating some time specifically to it, but I don't think I'm going to get there on this format. I don't think I'm going to break it. I don't think I'm going to totally understand the meta. This is basically 1999 to 2000 Zara PTQs where you just have like that one guy who's been playing so much and he tells everyone else what to think about the format because right. there's no information anywhere except for beyond back there and there's a pro tour and we were still waiting on that. I mean, I'll tell everybody what to think about this format. I'll tell oh, everybody perfect. what's good. Yeah, I'll be the nice. arbiter here. <laughs> the king on high. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to. I guess I just start with the decks that I have seen and what seems to be defining the format. Can we start with cards instead of decks? Because I have yes. a slanted view of some of the stuff in an explorer uh, is, you know, the last few sets have had some really some heaters on them <laughs> yeah i i think maybe a little more towards packages rather than cards a little bit kind of in in the middle i think that kind of the level zero thing that a lot of people are building is some sort of thought sees uh fable of the mirror breaker deck i have been double thought seized in games in this format more than any format I've played in my entire life. Like, lots of people are also main decking duresses. I've had a lot of, like, Thoughtseize duress games. So people are just, like, down to one for one and then hope that whatever they have that's three mana is, like, good enough at that point. And that's, like, an enormous part of the format right now is the, like... Because the interaction is cheap and powerful. The black stuff, like, you can build a deck and some people seem to be building a deck that is Thoughtseize, Duress, Fatal Push, Blood Chief's Thirst, and then like Fable of the Mirror Breaker to just like hopefully kill them with that and like whatever three twos or whatever they've got going on. And some people just want to interact for one mana and and do that. And you have to be ready for that. Man, it's so wild to me to think of people building their decks being like, all right, Thoughtseize, yeah, of course. Fable of the Mirror Breaker, that was perfect. Uh, we want to rest because you know, non creatures. We already wanted are... thoughtsies. Of course, yeah, we want yeah. to rest. We, we'll deal with creatures somehow. We'll just, uh, you know, we won't play against that many, or we'll just blood chiefs thirst them. It'll be fine. Yeah. It's like, wait, can't, how do you? <laughs> That's a lot of interaction for. It's so much interaction. Are, but you, are you winning the game with blood tithe harvester or whatever? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of blood tithe harvesters. Like the the Rakdos mid range package slash deck is definitely the thing that i've played against the most you need to build a deck with cards that can stand on their own and you're not going too hard on synergy stuff because i think you will run into these things 
And I have played against some heavy synergy based decks, which for a couple of the decks that I've been playing have been tougher matchups. But I have my doubts that they will survive when like thrown into a whirlwind of fatal pushes and thought seizes and duresses in particular. And I was impressed by some of the stuff that this deck was doing, but I played against like a couple versions of the heroic deck. And uh, I don't think that that deck functions against the thought seize fatal push deck very well, but these may be like you know, corners of the metagame or like extremes of the metagame or something like that. And you're just trying to get an edge on the decks that are good against the Thoughtseize decks by being really synergistic and aggressive or whatever. But I do think that you have to go into this format understanding and acknowledging the cheap black interaction is heavily played and quite powerful and you need to not fold to it. I wonder if Explorer will eventually mirror how Pioneer Red Black Midrange works, where if you don't know, Red Black Midrange is really popular in that format. Uh, and it does pretty well in all the Pioneer events, except for it like never really looks that good. <laughs> yeah. And I, I keep seeing a lot of Sorens out of these Black Red Midrange decks. And I don't know if that's the threat that you want. The four mana Soren, the, re- the, the one in standard. Do they not just play Chandra instead? I don't understand why not just Chandra. Like a couple of people have played Chandra against me and it's been really good. (laughs) So I don't understand the like Soren comes down and makes a two, three and it's like, okay, I have several turns to draw my, I've been playing a ramp deck. So I have several turns to draw my storm, the festival or whatever. Like the Soren isn't going to kill me that quick. Yeah. Chandra is, see, I was thinking about the threats they couldn't play that the pioneer decks and like, you can't play Kalidus. It's not on arena yet. I was mm-hmm. like, you can't play Chandra. Wait, no, you can play Chandra. <laughs> you can yeah. also play Kroxa. Yeah. Like, and with Fable of the Mirror Breaker. And a, a lot of the Black Red decks that I've seen do not seem to have Kroxa in them. And that seems really wild to me. And you're like, I'm all one for ones in Fable of the Mirror Breaker deck. I, I don't mind like a slim number of Kroxas. And maybe they just haven't seen them against you that in that heavy numbers. Maybe. Because uh, I don't think I, you can go really hard on that card. I. I'm not sure that that's true given Ooh, the existence really? of Fable of the Mirror Breaker. I think you can run a lot of Kroxas. Well, I'm okay. I, I can see where you're coming from. I was thinking more about like uh, the graveyard hate available and what mm-hmm. I expect people to be doing, but you, you can tell me more about all the stuff people are doing. Yeah. Well, and graveyard hate is a real thing. And the Black Red decks in particular, uh, really a lot of them, yeah, they're good at it. And a lot of them are main decking uh, Graveyard Trespasser, the werewolf that you know exile stuff from graveyards the only black werewolf and that's that's a really really common main deck card which it's fine it's okay i have not been like ultra impressed by it and i i imagine that as the format develops and these deck lists actually get circulated and corrected and stuff probably it'll move to more of a sideboard role or something or not be in the numbers that i've seen it be uh it just doesn't seem quite good enough to like I just have people who go like who play one on turn three and then play another one on turn four. And it's like, okay, those are three threes. Like, I don't know. Here's a Nissa. So well, <laughs> try, try to keep up. Yeah. They, they really shine in the uh, interact against your opponent's graveyard kind of deal with yeah. anything they can attack. That's kind of like the only thing they do well. Yes. And, and 
I, I can see them being quite good. And, and I think that a big part of these interactive decks becoming such a heavy part of the metagame, especially with like main deck graveyard interaction, is that the first place that people went in this format was to Grease Fang. It's doing an incredibly powerful thing. You can basically murder your opponent on turn three. Just like the game ends if you Grease Fang uh, a Parhelion to Parhelion the second. Parhelion Jr. on turn three. Not only does it hit for a lot of damage, but it leaves the angels in play. The angels aren't tapped from attacking, so even an aggressive deck is not going to finish you off through two untapped 4-4 angels. But I don't think that most of the builds of the Grease Fang deck are going to last. There's enough graveyard hate running around. There's enough graveyard hate that's easily main deckable in stuff like Graveyard Trespasser and combine any no, any amount of graveyard hate with some pressure and the like really dedicated grease fang decks just if all you're doing is trying to like all your stuff is card filtering and discard outlets and trying to get parhelion into your graveyard and reanimate it then them just like having a an unlicensed hearse and then you're just like oh shoot well, my Esper deck isn't killing that, and now, like, all of my cards do nothing. So the only iteration of the Grease Fang deck that I think has legs, I don't think the Mardu version running Stitcher Supplier is the thing. Yeah, that just doubles down. Yeah, it, it's just too much. And I love Deadly Dispute as much as anybody else, but when your deck has Stitcher Supplier and Voldaren, the, the one drop Epicure. that makes a Voldar and Epicure and Deadly Dispute. You just have like so much air and like nonsense and you're like barely doing anything and then maybe your opponent plays a five mana spell and they've turned off your grave. Like your cards aren't doing anything anymore. So the version of the Grease Fang deck that I think might have legs is the Esper version and specifically, obviously you have Ledger Shredder because that card's amazing. Yeah, it works on all axes. <laughs> works on all axes. And then you also get to run some combination of you definitely want Rafine and then maybe Kaido Shizuki as well, because these are cards that like, even if they've disrupted you, even if they've stopped your graveyard stuff and like they've thought seized you into the ground, like Rafine or Kaido Shizuki can just solo a game and just like buy you back all of the cards and put you way ahead. And so I think those are strong enough standalone cards that are convergent with your game plan. And so I think an Esper version that is running Rafine, that is running Ledger Shredder and I've played against bad versions of the Grease Fang deck where I just like put a Tormod's Crypt into play and then I had forever to do whatever I wanted to do. But the version that is heavy on Ledger Shredders, Rafines, Kaido Shizukis, uh, they did not give me that sort of time. And eventually I might just die to four and five power flyers. So that impressed me a lot more than other builds of the deck. And you still have the, the Tainted Indulgence Mar or Grease Fang kind of deal. You can always yeah. look into that. Yeah, I just don't think you're supposed to go all in and be on like tainted indulgences and faithful mendings and suppliers. And, and all that. Yeah, and you just have so much nonsense. And it's like if they turn off your graveyard, you can't do anything at all like that. I think that's just a recipe for disaster in this format as it kind of exists now. It's not defined, but people are playing graveyard hate because they know about this deck. <laughs> yeah, the, the graveyards are really good. Uh, Arclight Phoenix exists, uh, Kroxa exists, like there's lots of graveyard stuff to be done, and playing incidental graveyard hate does pay you big dividends in this format. And, and I mean, if your backup plan of any deck, but especially like the 
the Greaseway deck where you're not really doing anything if you're not doing your combo. Like, mm-hmm. Ledger Shredder is not a, a one-card backup plan. <laughs> it's just not going to do... It, it no. can't always kill your opponent every time. No, it's no. Crazy. And that that's why you need to add it together with things that work well with it yeah, and with exactly. that plan. And then once you have Rafine and Kaido Shizuki and maybe one other... I'm not sure. I, I feel like you want one other thing that's kind of in that category of stuff, but I'm not sure if there's anything else maybe you have enough card filtering that that's enough density but that plan i have been I, i'm completely okay with i would have to scroll through esper cards on scryfall and i, I don't have the <laughs> i don't have the cards people have been playing at hand because of the aforementioned information trials right 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 one other thing that you are going to run into a lot is probably fires of invention but some version of the agent of treachery Luca polymorph thing, transmogrify thing. I'm, I'm going to put Adrian Treachery into play, and then I'm yes. going to do it again. Yes. In some ways, and maybe this will become worse as the format develops, in some ways the format is each of the most obnoxious things that we've had to deal with over the past couple of years <laughs> out of recent sets. Maybe that's because, like, everybody's thinking of the deck that was, like, really good at one time and really obnoxious. And it's like, okay, yeah, I'm going to exploit the metagame by doing this thing. But the, like, Heavy Thoughtsies decks is part of it. The, like, uh, Curious Obsession Spirits, (laughs) or, yeah, Spirits deck is, like, part of it. Like, like... Holy crap! The number of times that I've they've they've put in a one mana spirit and put curious obsession on it, and then they just have like three one mana geistlight snares. It's I don't think it's supposed to happen as often as it seems to happen to me, but it's a problem when it does happen. Geistlight snare is the counter spell that costs one less if you control a spirit and one less if you control an enchantment. So if your so start is a mana leak, right? Is it a hard counter spell? It's like a mana leakers. It doesn't matter though, because yeah. they're casting it yeah, on turn yeah, two for one mana. Never, so you can never pay for it. Yeah, you just never get out from under it. Like you, you just die. I don't think I doubt that deck is like where it's at because I have to imagine that there is more cat oven out there than I've seen, or at least a developed format will have more cat oven than I have seen, and it's impossible for the blue one drop decks to beat a cat oven deck and. Trail of Crumbs is legal, Cat is legal, Oven is legal, Mayhem Devil is around, and I'm sure that that's a thing in this format. Oh, but the the Luka decks, they're really annoying to play against. Uh, Why? Why is that? I don't know if it's my opponent's draws. I keep having these like three-game matches against 80-card Yorian decks where they just make Fires of Invention on turn four every single game, and it's just really annoying to play against. Are because they, Do they have any filtering or anything like that? You know, they'll play an Omen of the Sea or whatever and just kind of get there. But that's kind of, I mean, like in the deck as a whole, they, they've only really got Omen fil- or Omen of the Sea to kind of set up. I, I don't think it's like a ton, you know, they're not doing like Shimmer of Possibilities sure. or anything like really hard like that. It's, you know, they're trying to play good cards, but they tend to have Fires of Invention on turn four a lot. And when they, I mean, when they don't, the deck is kind of whatever. When they do... It just, you you really feel like your back is up against a wall. The deck that I've been playing a lot is a ramp deck that plays Wolf Willow Haven. So Agent of Treachery is just like the most backbreaking thing in the world when it happens like on turn four. So double annex. Yeah, it's not, it's not healthy to have that (laughs) happen to you too many times. It's like aneurysm inducing. 
I know Zan was playing a version of the Jeskai deck without Fires of Invention in it. I tried it a little bit, but his average CMC was like 3.5 and the deck just felt really, really clunky. And I just like kept getting thought seized and dying. What's so the, I, yeah, yeah. What's the rationale for like moving away from Fires of Invention? Because that seems to when I when I played that deck in Standard and even a little bit in Pioneer, uh, it Fires of Invention was like the whole reason the deck that it was good right yeah yeah i don't know he is not he was not playing yorion which you know fires okay. makes yorion a lot better so if he wants to be a tighter deck that is more likely to hit and he was playing uh indomitable creativity rather than uh luca, luca. so you know that might be part of it because indomitable creativity you actually have to pay for under fires so it's like less exciting also like March of Otherworldly Light is one of his removal spells, which doesn't like get any benefit from fires. Yeah. I'll see. Instants in general are low. Yes. Yes. Not that exciting. And you take it to play counterspells, I guess, if you're, you know. Yeah. Into and that. I think sideboarding counterspells in this format is pretty good. Uh, Dovin's Veto is legal and Dovin's Veto is bonkers. Mystical Dispute exists and is also bonkers. So. You know, you th those are options. Shenanigans. Yep. Yep. And given that uh, a big part of what you might want to be doing in this format is going over the top of the, oh, I'm just all black one for ones. I need. So then you're just like, yeah, I want some like four and five mana planeswalkers and stuff to just kind of ignore this. Then some amount of counter magic can be pretty good in this metagame. So what are the decks that go over the top other than the Greasewing deck and the Treachery, Agent of Treachery decks? Yeah. Well, I mean, Agent of Treachery decks go over the top of a lot, and that may be ultimately, like, the place to be for the top end of the format. Because it, we've seen this before with Agent of Treachery, is that it solves all of the problems. Whatever your opponent was doing, if they have a Nissa in play, you have a Nissa in play. If they haven't quite gotten there and they have some ramp in play, then you get to take that from them and they can't get there. So it, it's possible that Agent of Treachery is just the thing that you want to be doing. If it is not what you want to be doing, there are a few other options. I've played against All Runs Epiphany, and that exists. You can do it. Uh, some is this amount. A generic, like blue red government yeah. creation or unspoken deck it was not anything too exciting you do get to play fable of the mirror breaker now in addition to the other Ooh. stuff and so that gives you some level of consistency and Copy a better tokens turn three play yeah <laughs> i think it's more of a copier your gold span dragon thing was yeah, the... maybe I, who's to know who's to say <laughs> see i made the wise decision of not purchasing that card when i played the blue red deck at scg con Yep. So I never played with Goldspan Dragon. <laughs> That's fair. I've played a lot of games with Goldspan Dragon. I, you know, I'm a fan. I love Gold. I love no, Goldspan Dragon. I just, I just couldn't. I just couldn't. Uh, just I know they were like forty dollars at that point, and I have not played another for standard tournament since. No, then. same. I with think I have cards. like three Goldspan Dragons hanging around here. Nice. And a bunch of Auron's Epiphanies. Yeah, those are cheap though. Well, a couple of them were cheap. A couple of them were twenty dollars. <laughs> Did you have to buy them in the venue or something? I had to buy like one of them from SCG right before the tournament. Oof. Yeah. It was rough, but we do what we gotta. Other ways to go over the top. I have been pretty happy so far with green-based ramp. 
and it's it's nothing to nothing super exciting it's just that like package that we've seen in like pioneer of the green elemental knight cavalier of thorns yeah yeah just that package of like cavalier of thorns storm the festival nissa ramp up to it the ramp you get to go up to it is pretty good because it's lanoir elves paradise druid and wolf willow haven and so those are all things that are like kind of tough to interact with profitably uh paradise druid get you get a mana out of it unless they like meat hook massacre it or something lanoir elves only cost one mana wolf willow haven usually is untouchable and then your like fives are just very good you want to cast a cavalier of thorns and your storm the festivals can hit nisses and like carns and whatever and uh have been experimenting with kiora in the deck which is kind of cool as like a mini combo with topiary stomper the four four yeah. that gets you a land and draw your uh, card with kiora yeah exactly yeah. and the 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 start that's really sick is like turn two wolf willow haven turn three kiora Untap your Wolf Willow Haven, play a Topiary Stomper, draw a card, get a land, and you're just like off to the races from there. The the perfect draw. <laughs> it's really good. I mean, most people do not beat that draw. Uh, and you you have a lot of like little stuff like Nissa untapping Wolf Willow Haven lands to like make a ton of mana. I've had a lot of turns that are like Nissa storm the festival, like put a Cavalier of Thorns and something else in play. Good go, good luck. Yeah, here, this is my 10 mana of cards. You're up. Yeah. So, you know, I, I've been pretty happy with it. I'm trying to figure out exactly how to build the kind of lower end parts of it. Because I think the Storm the Festival Nissa Cavalier of Thorns top end is good enough. That's that's what you want to be doing. Are you able to play the Hydra, the fight Hydra in this? I don't remember what set it's from. I don't um, know if it's on Arena or not. Voracious Hydra. It's Voracious Hydra. So it should be, right? Because that's the same set. Next yeah. Yeah, that's legal in Explorer. Yeah, you can play Voracious Hydra. I'm not like super excited by it. I think we're a little past that card's power level in this format now. Okay. Maybe maybe it's just played in Pioneer because of the presence of Nick trying to Nykthos, you know? Yes. I, I think that's a big part of its playability in that format. You don't have Nykthos in Explorer right now, so... Some different stuff going on. Uh, the list that I originally stole from to like start my journey here had like old growth troll as kind of its also a holdover from Pioneer bridge, sure. right? And and since you don't have Nick, those like that thing became much less appealing. It's like okay, and it's pretty good against like the black red decks because like what are they gonna do? Kill it and give you mana. But you're already pretty good against the black red decks, and so I'm. I have cut it. I'm at a point where I think I might like put it into my sideboard because there's some matchups where like if they're going to keep killing your mana guys, you want to do something a little bit mid rangey that can like attack a Soren or something. But in a lot of matchups, Old Growth Troll is just not where it's at. When they're playing a Fires of Invention deck and you're like, oh, okay, I'll bridge with this Old Growth Troll. Like that's not exciting or good. Yeah. It's so, really just for the mid range matchups. Yeah. So right now I have switched. I'm trying a red green version so I can play Fable of the Mirror Breaker because it is like, you know, best card in standard, one of the best cards in Explorer and helps 
you know, helps ramp decks problems, which is drawing ramp creatures late or drawing too many, too much top end or whatever. And also it gives you mana and copying Cavalier of Thorns with your Kiki Jiki is very <laughs> satisfying. So there's, there's something there. And I have been pretty happy with Karn as your like scalable threat, but a lot of games are, are like turn four Karn, turn five Sky Sovereign. And it's just like, it's very good sometimes, but I feel like we can do something a little less clunky than like taking two turns to get a Sky Sovereign into play. Like it does win a large number of games against these black red decks, but that's usually because they don't have an abrade handy. And if they do start playing abrade, then that becomes like not an exciting plan anymore. So I'm trying just playing green red ramp with like Chandra's as my four. And then you don't need to invest more mana into your four drop to make it do something are you still playing cavalier of thorns in that setup and it's oh yeah oh yeah i think you can do it with the the mana that exists just get a little less value off of nessa i guess or how many forests are there that are also red lands it's really just stomping grounds but honestly i i think that this is a problem that we solved a long time you know we played soul tie whatever Yeah. yeah you just play nissa and you keep a couple of four like if you have two or three forests in play when you play anissa like she makes so much mana that you know it's acceptable still works with wolf Willow haven anyway yeah and you always put your wolf Willow haven on a forest so that you can get these little kiora and nissa combos and stuff and so the next thing i'm going to try is rather than red i'm going to try blue because then you get growth spiral the most bonkers card and maybe Hydroid Crisis is a good bridge threat that's just like fine to draw at any point in the game. I don't know if its power level is high enough for this format, but I mean, Hydroid Crisis is a pretty good card, so I want to at least try it out. It's probably weird in a weird spot against the red black deck because it, it draws a million cards off the top of your deck, but it also dies to their fatal push and such. It, yes, it, that that is it dies to both fatal push and blood chief's thirst, yeah. which is not exciting. So but not in the games where you that. get like thought seized duress, like you know, you're pretty happy to just play it for as Three. a two-two flyer. Like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. So I want to try some striped bears in that slot and see if that's a good thing. But I I think that the Cavalier of Thorns deck has a spot. There are a couple of things that I've really struggled against. Good draws out of the fires decks are tough for sure, and I did play against. There is a very aggressive portion of the metagame that some aggro deck will exist. And even with the number of Fatal Pushes and Blood Chiefs that are running around, the aggro decks have enough one-drops that they're able to punish stumbles like really, really well. And these decks can be really scary. So Gruul is one of them. You have Llanowar Elves and Pelt Collector. I have seen i've i've been on the receiving end of the lanoir elves into gruel spellbreaker into questing beast into embercleave curve and that's not beatable it's you know if they're on the play and they do that to you you're just gonna die not even your topi topiary stomper draw can compete with that no absolutely not you're just completely dead to the <laughs> so so yeah gruel i think is it's under consideration, but I'm not sure that it has the consistency to be something that you really want to be doing. I think humans is completely acceptable. You have Thalia's Lieutenant and you have uh, Adeline 
and then you just fill in things that say human on them and having those two cards in your deck like is fine you get luminar casper too which is yeah not yeah, absolutely. In this format unlike the other arena formats yep and aspirant is fantastic and you can play like black white with uh general kudra. general kudro so that's another lord and incidental graveyard hate which is a nice bonus i have played against an abzan version of the deck that went werewolf pack leader into general kudro off of the two unclaimed territories and yeah. yeah yeah i don't know and they also cast a collected company at some point in that game oh, well, so i don't yeah. know if that's We're a doing thing it. but uh, well, you can collect a company as long as that's like one of your only spells. It's not that unheard of to yeah, just play just an eight. Um, all of all of your non-unclaimed territories to be green lands, basically. Yeah, and I think that's reasonable. Like, you yeah. can, there are a lot of slow lands and duels if you want to do that to, you know, sequence your lands so that you're not missing too many curves yeah. while being able to still cast collection company no matter what your offland is. And then maybe that is enough to support the werewolf pack leader too. So I don't know. Good no, work. I don't. I don't know if you want to do that unless you're like the cards you're playing in those colors pay off really well. Yeah, uh, like werewolf pack leaders is fine. I don't know if it's like you know the gold standard. Like I don't know if it's competing with luminar aspirant and just having a leaner mana base. You know, like there there is a lot of right. trade off. Right, right, and I don't know. I have not experimented with the humans decks enough to know but i think that they are very good because right you have you definitely get luminarch aspirant dolly's lieutenant adeline and then whatever other things you want to surround that with if you want to be a collected company deck if you want to be a lot of colors with your fancy lands however you want to do it like there's just a ton of power there so uh, i think humans is very acceptable and very good and likely will will be strong played against niv mizzet it wasn't uh it wasn't exciting five color not your five color no i have not done any experimenting with niv mizzet perun yet that's like on the list for at some point but so i'm predisposed to think that niv mizzet reborn is just never really that good he's always like the mid-range stopgap of a format to me like you, you start playing him and he's the big mid-range deck but he's not actually going big he's just drawing more mid-range cards which is good in mid-range matchups but if you can beat a 6-6 flyer and a bunch of card draw like the go big decks yeah it doesn't it's not good it's just a more constrained mid-range deck right you're not going to be beating like when your entire thing is on your five mana 6-6 draw engine you're not going to be beating an agent of treachery deck that way right and your mana base is workable but not a lot of a lot of triumphs in that mana base yeah and the other aggro deck i so some form of heroic is at least impressive when you're not messing with it i don't know that it survives an encounter with a thoughtseize blood cheese thirst duress fatal push deck but you get dreadhorde arcanist you get illuminator virtuoso which is a very like that card kills you faster than anything else in the world oh my god Reckless Rage with Illuminator Virtuoso and uh, and Dreadhorde Arcanist is like a really nice setup for anti-creature stuff. You can also play the red-white heroic haste guy and... 10th, 10th District Legionnaire. Yeah. 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 I think Reckless Rage is a huge... <laughs> like, yeah. That card is so good. Yes. It's like one of the best removal spells in the entire format. 
it was always the like reason to be in that sort of deck in like with Dreadhorde Arcanist and stuff. Just Reckless Rage and enough guys that it works with is awesome. But it does double down on your weakness to getting fatal pushed. So I, I think that's fine though, because if you just like crush people with your like insane two for one with reckless rage, and you're it's dipping on a weakness that you're already bad against, like that's that's fine, right? Like, yeah, you're not giving up that much, right? If you're just like, okay, I'm gonna lose at least game one to the fatal push decks no matter what, and I'm just okay with that, then that's that's probably the decision you're making with the sort of deck. I, I I'm not sure how good the deck is because i know the red cards always seem way better than the white cards except for the uh the new nuka penna double strike guy mm-hmm. i don't know if your experience matches that but basically when they draw the red half of their deck and 10th district legionnaire it's always yeah. way better than if they draw like the white combat tricks and stuff yes i think you can be like heavier red now because like you don't need to play Defiant Strike if you don't want to, because there's a red Defiant Strike that you mm-hmm. get to run. Coincidentally, quite good with Dreadhorde Arcanist. Uh, I played <laughs> yeah. against a version of this deck that was splashing green for Dramoka's Command, which does I don't target? think is necessary. Yeah, it does target with the plus one plus one counter, oh, the counter thing. Okay. I was, I was, yeah, I was thinking of Target's Command. Sorry. And it, it also targets with the fight thing. So you can get like a lot of triggers on your guy potentially. But the mana base trade-offs, I don't know, are worth it. It was really impressive against me because my opponent kept casting it and like getting triggers and making me sacrifice Wolf Willow Havens and then flashing <laughs> it back and making me sacrifice more Wolf Willow Havens. So that matchup was not winnable for my deck at I all. I do think no a deck what. like Heroic is going to be good against uh, kind of the slow burn go over the top decks because they yeah. can come out of the gates so fast and they punish you so hard. Yeah. And, and I think that's exactly what you're trying to do. You're trying to ignore the fatal push side of the metagame and like, I'm going to kill you before you can cast Luka or you can cast Nissa or whatever. And like you play your per- one blocker, I reckless rage it and then we kill you. Yes, exactly. Particularly with Illuminator Virtuoso, just like tenning you on turn three <laughs> is. Uh, yeah, that it, it's gnarly. It, it's very good sometimes. So super, super metagame dependent, but the power level is absolutely there to do this. Is there any version of Mono Red? Because I know that's a deck in Pioneer that has just never gone away. I think that if Mono Red is going to exist, it's probably because like Goblin Chain Whirler is well positioned or something more than anything else. Okay, that's kind of a weird spot. I don't think you attack better than the other aggro decks in the format. Like, I don't think you deal 20 better than humans or heroic or something does. I think you need to be like excited about something else that the deck is doing and also excited about doing 20 pretty quickly. And I think that that means something along the lines of like, oh, my goblin chain whirlers are really good or, oh, I need to like grind through removal with my like annex or something like that. Yeah, I guess you don't really have Eidolon of the Great Rebel in this format, and or Ram mm-hmm. Well, you actually do have Ram Ruins, but Eidolon is always the card I, yeah, kind of point to when I'm thinking about Mono Red and Pioneer. Like this is the why you're playing Mono Red basically. And you only have one of the Prowess one drops. You don't have Swift Sphere, so oh, okay, you can't be the Prowess Mono Red deck. You have to be a a more like. Looking like a good standard mono red deck. Like Kamano faces Kakazan kind of deal. Exactly. Yeah. 
which I think is a great card, but it's not as scary as Illuminator Virtuoso or Thalia's Lieutenant to me. Yeah, that makes sense. So what other what other aggro decks are there? I think that's it for the aggro decks that I have seen. And so I think like Gruul exists, but I'm not like excited about. I think humans is just going to be good because of the, your options and the power level. And the heroic deck, if the metagame is right for it, will just run roughshod over people who are not prepared. That makes sense to me. Do you want to talk about... I guess you already talked a little bit about your ramp deck, your ramp deck experiences. Yeah, I'm having fun with it. I probably, if you're trying to go over the top right now, an Agent of Treachery deck is where you want to be. Have you played any of the Agent of Treachery decks? Because I've always liked them in theory, but in practice, I hate never drawing Fires of Invention, and I just can't stand how clunky the deck is without it. Yeah, well, then you could play Zan's deck that never draws fires of invention and i don't think you heard me <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah no i i played zan's deck i the the format had sped up enough that it didn't feel good to me anymore to play it that way but i do need to try some of the kind of lower to the ground fires versions of the deck and experiment with them a little more they the ones that i've played against have definitely seemed quite powerful but it's also, you know, I've played against some creativity versions that just like went turn five, put two agents of treachery in play. And the decks that I've been playing have not been good against that happening. Like, you know, if you have spot removal or thought seizes, you can stop this thing from happening. So I'm not totally sure how good, how well these decks stand up to the black interaction. But when your opponent is just like, trying to beat you with fours fives and sixes then obviously agent of treachery is just going to rain on that parade i uh, so i haven't seen the matchup play out or anything because no one really is streaming explorer but i would imagine that the the red black deck or the black interaction decks are pretty good against the mm -hmm. uh agent of treachery deck kind of uh they won't kill fast enough so eventually the Agent of Treachery decks will just keep casting big cards and win right. anyway. Yeah, I think the Black Red decks do kill a little bit faster than you might think. A lot of them are running uh, Tenacious Underdog and the... Why can't I do card names? The one that, you know, makes a blood token and is a removal spell. Blood Tithe, blood tithe Harvester. Har yeah, Blood Tithe Harvester. Uh, and it's just like enough three twos that... You know, combine that with Bone Crusher Giant and like the clock can get set up pretty quickly. Even through like the extra life gain and tokens from Omen of the Sun and stuff like that. I'm not totally sure. I do need to play the matchup a little more. Omen of the Sun is just like three mana though and very. It, oh, it is. That's why you know? I don't like the. It's very three mana. That's why I don't enjoy not having Fires Invention. That's why I would never really love right. that deck. I think a build without Omen of the Sun is probably going to be where you want to be like you get to run uh fable of the mirror breaker instead of omen of the sun like i would i would a start slight there. upgrade perhaps yes <laughs> uh zan was running wedding announcement i don't i didn't love wedding announcement it's a little slow uh, yeah this format is just a little too like it's not fooling around in a way that lets you do wedding announcement stuff i don't think i think people learned not to fool around before when Noda got banned Mm -hmm. uh, it was just very clear you couldn't fool around. 
Yes. Yeah, I mean, it, this is definitely like it necessarily a lower power level than Pioneer and a lower power level than Historic, which is stronger than Pioneer. But still, like, there's... I mean, there's just, like, so much thought-seizing happening and so many good, like, one-drop creatures around that that you gotta be on the ball. Like, Llanowar War Elves exists in this format, and that sets the stage for kind of a lot of other stuff. Do you... Have you seen any Phoenix shenanigans going on? I have... Almost all of those cards are legal. You don't have the Delve spells, but you do have all the other stuff. Yeah, I've been more impressed by the... Dreadhorde Arcanist Ledger Shredder half of the deck than the like getting Phoenixes back part. That makes sense. But I have to assume that the Phoenixes are better against the black red decks than against the decks that I've been playing. Like obviously the, you know, incidental graveyard hate in the black red decks can be good against the Phoenix, but they have to actually draw it and put it in play and, and do the stuff with it. And See, Phoenix... typically, yeah, like, uh, sorry for interrupting you. But typically, the red black deck incidental graveyard hate I found is only good against like the delve spells. It's not actually that good at shutting off Phoenix. Right, right. So I I think that probably the Phoenix part of the deck is good because of the black red decks existing and they're like thought seizing you, and then at some point you do stitch together like a consider removal spell. You know, you draw an expressive iteration and get your Phoenix back or whatever. And then that's enough to p- pull you ahead in the game. Uh, I think expressive iteration must be very good in this format. I have not run uh, a true expressive iteration deck yet with you know cheap spells and expressive iteration, but that's that's definitely on the list, and it feels like it must be great. So, I mean, the card is great, so can't really go yeah. that wrong. But with the number of times I've been thought seized in this format. The number of games where I've just been like, boy, I really wish I had an expressive iteration in my deck to draw right now. So there's no worse feeling than when you like thought sees your opponent twice. And then on turn three, they're just like, okay, expressive iteration, you're dead. It's it's like when you stop playing Legacy after a while or right after Faithless Looting was unbanned but or banned, but it hadn't sunk in yet. You're just like, you know, playing a game and your hands are really bad. And you're like, well, if I could just draw this one card that would fix my entire game. Yep. And that's what expressive iteration is. That is what expressive iteration is. So I definitely have been impressed by the cheap red removal. I think that also the Phoenix X ability to run lightning axe is very important. I think lightning axe is excellent. And yeah, I definitely need to try the, I think Dreadhorde Arcanist and uh, Ledger Shredder is just a really, really good turn two package to be running. Is there no better option than Dreadheart Arcanist? I think Dreadheart Arcanist is just actively great. It's good? Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good, at least. I I don't have my, you know, constructed powerhouse hidden strings on Arena. So that cuts yeah. the, my favorite deck of Pioneer. <laughs> no, yeah. I have not seen a single Lotus Field in play yet. So I, I will definitely report to you as soon as one shows up i mean if they do it's gonna be off of a blood sun or something silly like that with yeah yeah which is a way to go big i suppose but yeah i I would (laughs) be needing to see what you're casting off those lotus fields (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, one thing that I have not seen, but like has to be acceptable in a way that like I don't particularly care for, but probably exists, is Angels. Ooh, with Giada. Yeah, the package with Giada, Righteous Valkyrie, other cards that say Angel on it is like pretty good especially because you can run collected company in this format and collected company has always been good with these angels and collected company also a great way to beat Thoughtseize fatal push decks so you also get useful angel is another two drop which is the called one that grows every time you play an angel yeah yeah youthful valkyrie yeah youthful valkyrie sorry i think i said youthful angel yeah so i think you can actually put together a very serviceable angel Ooh. deck inspiring overseer as an angel yeah, it's a good hit off a of collected company, honestly. Yeah. It's not bad. And it's very good to like chain those with Giada. Honestly, get... I kind of prefer it over a splendid angel for reasons I can't quite put my finger on. Yeah, you just never feel satisfied when you cast resplendent angel. It's like mostly a 3-3 three, three for 3. Yeah, basically. It feels like a waste whenever you activate it. Yeah. Like, your opponent's going to do something better than this on their turn. It's so much mana. It's six mana. Yeah. I hope you don't have, like, Fabled Passage Fatal Push here, because I'm spending a lot on this thing. Let me see. What other things do I want to try that I have not, like, tried or seen yet? Omnath is legal in Explorer, and I haven't seen it at all. Well, and there's no fetch lands. There's Fabled Passage. Yeah. Because <laughs> of all the wilds, too. But Fabled Passage is good. Like, yes. Omnath had to get banned in standard because of Fabled Passage. So, I mean, we should have banned Uro at yes. that point, too. But, but. <laughs> even without Uro, Omnath would have been bannable in standard. Yes. And, like, you can run Growth Spiral, Fabled Passage, Omnath. Like, that's a start. Well, what are you, like, what are you doing? Don't with... ask me questions. I don't, I clearly don't know the answer to yet, Okay, okay I'm sorry. That's my, yeah. that's my mistake. <laughs> <laughs> All we know is that Gigantha is our companion. <laughs> Our Gigantha is definitely our companion. We probably can run... I mean, how much Gross Spiral Expressive Iteration have we done? Not enough. That seems, like, potentially very good. So... Yeah, Wilderness Reclamation is banned, so that's the first place I would think <laughs> with those two cards. <laughs> um, I guess you could... I, like, the problem is you have to, like, have something good to do with Omnath, basically yeah. the turn you play it. Yeah. And in modern, there's like a million things you could do. Right. Really good. We don't have Bring Delight or Time Walk in this format. So but we got to figure out what's the thing. Like in Pioneer, I just hope you're not a different Niv Mizzet deck, you know? Yes. Yeah. I don't know exactly what, what to do here. I mean, All Runs Epiphany is legal. Maybe this is how we get to All Runs Epiphany. Foretell it runs into your Growth Spiral turn a little bit. Not yeah. the end of the world, though. I mean, I'm not still just a good card, right? It can always replace itself. Right. Yeah, I think the starting place is just that, like, you're never unhappy to cast an Omnath. And then you just, like, have enough stuff that kind of works with it. And, like, it draws you a card. How much do you actually need out of the Omnath? I guess enough to justify being four colors, but... I know Sylvan Karyatid isn't online, so we just... No, we're a Paradise Druid deck. Paradise Druid? Okay. Yeah. A lot worse. But. I mean, we're, you know, we're a growth spiral deck, and then probably Wolf Willow Haven doesn't really do it. You no, probably I need some amount Willow of. Haven really makes it. Add a mana of any color. 
If fertile ground were legal, I'd be in. We'd be in business. If fertile ground were legal and you could run an eight fertile ground deck with like Kiora and Nissa and stuff, that would be there'd be shenanigans afoot, I believe. I don't think they've printed fertile ground since Lorwyn, though, which was like no, that forever is, ago. That is like the last time I think too. Yes, indeed, Lorwyn, the first, <laughs> the last time it was standard legal. <laughs> yeah, what? I don't know. That'll be my next thing: is figure out what to do with Omnath that's not casting a Niv Misset. Yeah, because I don't want to do that. <laughs> like, I don't I, either. I think you should have to attack. You, you have to attack an Omnath deck from an angle that is not a big mid range pile, which I think yeah. is the challenging part. Because like it, that is what it is in modern. Like essentially, it's just that the cards you're playing in modern are incredibly strong and backbreaking yeah. as a tempo basis. <laughs> the reactive cards in modern got pushed to levels <laughs> heretofore unseen by man. So you were allowed to build that. Uh, I don't think you can fill your Omnath deck with like the good reactive cards in Explorer are, as we've listed before, Fatal Push, Blood Chief's Thirst, Thoughtseize, Duress. That's the one color that Omnath isn't. So for now, next time we go back to Zendikar, bam, five color Omnath. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have to get a five color Omnath as the next one, right? That's yes. just if the they don't, precedent like, they've set. Pitchforks will come out, you know. We, yeah. didn't even, we even got the three-color one in not Zendikar, so... That's Zendikar. true. Yeah, because I had to get it in before the four-color one. Yeah, that must have been it. <laughs> Let's see. What else? So, mid-range decks, aggro decks, like, go over the top decks. I've seen a little bit of, like, true control, but I haven't seen anybody, like, play a Teferi Hero of Dominaria that was, like, really impressive to me. I'm kind of waiting to see one that's like, oh, yeah, that was a good Teferi deck. I played against Blue-White with, like, Farewells and stuff. It seemed fine. It seemed really clunky. The Wandering Emperor make an appearance? Probably. I haven't had anybody cast a Wandering Emperor against me in this format yet. Because that's a really good It is a really good card. I wonder. It's a better standard card that, you know, it's not a card that, like, ages incredibly well with a format until like your format gets weird and you can like play a lot of instants but maybe maybe that's a thing you can do and explore so control decks in pioneer have fallen off i know like blue white control doesn't see nearly as much play as blue red control mm-hmm. and that's mostly with uh a couple of treasure cruises but the narset combo with collective defiance sure and i know that's something you can't access in this format because collective defiance is from eldritch moon or something like that right yeah that is not legal in the format but i mean i have to imagine that expressive iteration is a big reason for that right yeah expressive iteration consider opt flame Mm -hmm. bless bolt all that one mana interaction that's really good yeah you can even play voltaic surge if you can find some way to make a treasure yeah i mean fable of the mirror breaker yeah how how would you ever find a way to make a treasure (laughs) i don't know that fable of mirror breaker is that good in that type of reactive control deck though like despite it being a good card right and and like getting carried by being a powerful card is a thing that happens more in standard than in older format like you can put fable the mirror breaker in any deck in standard because it is the best card in standard that's less true the bigger your format gets yeah exactly whereas you'd mostly be leaning on express federation to like get through your cards and assemble your plan more than drawing you two cards which is what it's really good at in standard <laughs> yeah i also i was thinking today that boy like the cards that i 
miss on the most are the mid-range threats because I like I see decks that I want to build in like really polarized ways. Like I want to start like with a new format. Like I think about the extreme decks and I don't see like just let's play some good magic cards at different points in the curve. Like that's not a, a deck that I like internally recognize as valid. And so I just didn't recognize the Seeker's Chariot, which became, you know, the best card in standard for a period of time. I didn't recognize uh, Fable of the Mirror Breaker, which is the best card in standard now. I, you know, looking at Omnath, we were like, oh, yeah, like maybe this is playable. Maybe it's good. And then just immediately banned. So these like, yeah, I said it would be really good as long as the color requirements were. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think and I didn't know if that were true. Yeah, I, th- I think we agreed on that, but so maybe we didn't quite miss on Omnath because it was so obviously powerful. It has so much but, text on it. <laughs> right, but we didn't know if the color... So that's maybe a missing it in a different way, not quite the same, like, I, I don't think about I, mid-range threats properly way. I do think the hardest thing about Magic is evaluating mana bases, like, mm-hmm. in a format, when it's... Because that was a rotation. Yeah. We had never played with Pathways before either, so... right. Like I'm, I'm, I'm willing to forgive us for that one, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of the same way about mid range cards. Like I don't, I, I never play mid range decks if I can help it. Yeah, and right, it's just not something that I lean towards because I like I play the mid range deck that exists in the format. You know, when it's like, oh, this is a really good deck. I guess I'll play the mid range deck that somebody else built and try to make it right for this weekend in the meta game. But I, I'm never like. All right, I'm so excited to build the Sultai deck for this format. It's just not appealing. You guys are not going to believe how many four mana cards I could fit in my deck. <laughs> like, I want to build the deck that does weird stuff with Goldspan Dragon or with Illuminator Virtuoso or whatever. Like, I want to do stuff. Or or I want to be attacking you and playing Thalia's Lieutenant and just putting more power on the board than you've ever seen by turn three. Like, I want to, like, I, I gravitate towards, like, decks that are doing the extreme stuff and sometimes it's just like removal spell removal spell the seeker's chariot is way better than any of that my issue is that i get bored easily yeah so when i look at deck lists i don't want to know what's going on uh <laughs> it's really easy to do that with mid-range <laughs> decks uh but when i see like you know a deck list with vadrock and substantiate and I'm like, well, I've oh, never baby. seen these cards before. <laughs> what is going on here? That, that gets the blood pumping, you know? Yeah. I, and I mean, I am thinking more about during the initial evaluation process than anything else. Because like the mid-range deck being good and then Fable of the Mirror Breaker turning out to be really strong. Like, that's fine. We're here. Like, I'm not I don't have like regrets like i can figure it out from here and i can now use fable of the mirror breaker and i understand how it works and why it's good and where i want it but i i don't know i just want to get better at that like initial analysis thing and i think a lot of my misses have been these mid-range threats that it's just like well you don't want it in a control deck you don't want it in where where will it go where are you gonna put it in i guess uh looking in terms of value generated by the card is a thing that's like reasonable to do nowadays that a lot of cards have a bunch of value packed into it yeah that you can like kind of equate into cards right right and i mean you know like we don't always miss like i liked kaido shizuki and i think that like and i like the wandering emperor and i think that my analysis of 
like planeswalkers in particular as mid-range things like i'm i'm pretty dialed into that but somehow like these other cards that are generating planeswalker levels of value often in like less vulnerable ways like i do have a little bit of a blind spot there that i'm working on just a just a thought i was having yeah i i haven't had the thought yet i haven't thought about it before now i've always gravitated towards you know cards that make me think like i loved tameshi from Mm-hmm. season i still like that card yeah you know? not a mid-range card <laughs> despite modern the value available to that card hey not, it's a three not a two three i blocked a core firewalker with it once wow yeah that's valid. or it didn't block it it couldn't attack uh, speaking <laughs> speaking of two threes uh i have played against some vampire decks i there's got to be something like something better than gifted etherborn right like soren is so good let me do a quick uh, Scryfall search for Type Vampire Format Explorer. Well, we'll Blood Tithe Harvester is a vampire. Like, I've played against a bunch of, like, multiple times I've played against vampire decks, and they haven't been black-red, and I don't understand what's going on. So I'm just going to look at some two-drops I would consider to be, like, good or playable in mm-hmm. vampires. So you got a Danto Vanguard. That one's pretty good, but it's white. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got Blood Tithe Harvester. Fantastic. Bloodthirsty Adversary is a 2-2 haste. It's not the worst. It's eh. playable if you're in red. Probably don't want to like love it, you know? No, and we probably don't have that many spells in our Vampire's deck. Then you got Dusk Legion Zealot, which is the Elvish Visionary that you lose a life. And, you probably uh, usually play that one in your Vampire's deck, yeah. Mm-hmm. You're playing then, Soren, so... Uh, that is that's kind of the end of the list. <laughs> yeah. Like okay. you can maybe stretch for Voldaren Bloodcaster, which is a two-one flyer that makes a blood whenever a non-token creature dies. I am a but, fan of that card, but it's not Explorer power level. You right. Can't put that in your Explorer deck. Notably, Gifted Aetherborn was not in that list. <laughs> yeah, I am not a fan of Gifted Aetherborn in this format. I think if you're gonna play vampires, which I think is totally defensible because Soren turned on is the most powerful card in the format. It's just you have to make sacrifices to play it. But you can play Soren. I think you have to be black red because I think you have to play Blood Tithe Harvester. I think it's really silly to play these mono black vampires decks that I played against or these black white for like Edgar Markov. I just don't really think that's what we're really doing here. Um, and you can always play Silver Smoke Ghoul with Soren if, you, if that's your jam. True. True. I'm kind of into that idea. Like, I don't know that you need to make Soren better per se, but. Yeah, if but if we got if we got blood such. tokens and yeah, yeah, generate value from graveyard. There's just not a lot of good ways to gain life in chunks of three that I'm right. aware of. Right, it's mostly Soren. If gift, gifted Etherborn were a three-two, then you know, then we'd be in business. But it would be actively good. Like <laughs> I'd be more willing to pay black black for it, which right. is a hefty mana cost. Yeah. All these decks are playing Murderous Rider for some reason, but that only gains you two life off a lifelink. You need to tackle two of those things to trigger your Solar Smoke Ghoul. That's that's too many. Yeah, definitely the let me make my Sorens better cards are maybe not the most necessary thing. Just get your Champions of Dusk in there and you've probably made enough sacrifices. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. For whatever you do, do not put uh, Xander into play with Soren. That is not where you want to be absolutely not it's just worse just worse than champion of tusk i've had people cast xander against me in limited and i've just been like okay i'll kill you on my next turn 
<laughs> that's that was, just a seven mana six six you can pacify it and it just goes away like it doesn't <laughs> do anything <laughs> sleep with the fishes yeah sleep with the fishes on xander just ends that oh good you you cast a seven mana ravenous rats and i used a removal spell on it like pretty good mythic rare it's rough try tricolored mythic rares <laughs> <laughs> so i'm going to try next uh dreadhorde arcanist decks gen like blue red dreadhorde arcanist expressive iteration ledger shredder decks with or without phoenix not not totally sure but i think the number of fatal pushes in the format makes me lean towards phoenix being you want that as an option in your deck so yeah i'm gonna do that and gonna do more exploring with fires and luca because that may be the best over the top thing to be doing i i have not had fun playing against it which i think means it's pretty good yeah that's re that's a reasonable stance i have do you know what the timeline is like how i know this is a shorter season like it when... is really short yeah so we're recording this on May 31st. So this weekend is nothing, but next weekend is the first play-in on the 11th, I think. And then the 18th is the actual qualifier weekend, and the 17th is the play-in, the like best of three play-in, I think. Mm -hmm. So pretty abbreviated, so I'm trying to really get a handle on stuff before going into it. So next week we may do a, just a, another recap before going into the basically the end of the season. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yep. And then hopefully a recap of like I did this to qualify. Fortunately, like you know, I can treat the play-in thing as like more practice. You know, if I don't yeah. like, there's no like real stakes except that I do want to make it eventually, but I can treat it as practice and try different things. So that's how I'm going to approach it. Hopefully you'll be able to redeem yourself from the, you know, ups and downs of new Capena sealed. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I got my play in, I only spent like, I, th I think I only ended up down like two or 3000 gems playing the play in for that one. Cause you know, you get gems back and stuff. And then I, I think I made that up in the actual thing where I went a solid three, two on day one and you have to go seven and one to make day two and it is sealed and really unlikely that you get a deck that allows you to do that. I think it's, I mean, it's hard with like a, a medium deck or even a good deck. Sometimes this is hard to go seven one in a tournament. Yeah. It's hard to go seven and one in a, like a constructed tournament that you're prepared for and feel better than most of the people in the room at playing the format. So, I mean, I've had multiple tournaments where I know I had the best deck in the room that should be banned and just O2. Yeah. Whoops. Ran into too many stony silences. Yeah. Or something like that. Or just didn't draw well or whatever. Like, it, right. It happens. Yep. Yeah. Seven and one is tough and, you know, we'll make it eventually. And hopefully I am ingesting enough knowledge about this format that i can give a, a solid run for it but you know just got to keep trying yeah too bad it's an entirely vibe based format <laughs> it's such a vibe based format that's all i was <laughs> able to like communicate on this episode is just the vibes of the various like sizes of decks yeah basically <laughs> and honestly maybe some of the only content on the internet about explorer <laughs> I, yep, 
we, this is about the deepest dive that I believe anybody has done so far. So tell your friends that we we got Explorer content. Hot I'm off gonna, the presses. All of the like episode title puns are like too easy to actually use and too like obvious and boring. Like I don't even know. Like you're exploring the Explorer format. Great. Good job. It's not even a pun. It's no. just not even a, a joke. I don't know what to do. Just say how, you know, vibe based it is basically. <laughs> yep. Exploring the vibes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think we're going to call it. I think that's about it. Okay. That sounds good. I'll... Oh, oh, I want to experiment with Archon of Amiria too. I think that card might be nutty in this format. In humans but or just like. I don't know. That? In a collected company thing, I'm sure. Okay. Just I'm, there's a lot of non, there's a lot of non-basic lands. Fatal push and blood chiefs thirst like don't kill it easily, and any of the red decks or like blue you know blue and red decks. Ledger Shredder never triggers with an Archon of Ameria in play. That you know? is hilarious. Uh, <laughs> whenever you know your opponent goes to turn to Ledger Shredder on the draw, and then you can untap and play an Archon of Ameria, it's <laughs> yes. just like all right. good, good luck. Good all game. your spells deal two damage. Yeah, <laughs> and they're looking at their like ops or considers, and <laughs> it does block the Archon of Mary though. It does, but I think that's that's a reasonable it's the sacrifice. price you pay. Yes. <laughs> All right. Thanks everybody so much for listening. We really appreciate your time. If you'd like to lend us some support, head over to Patreon.com/slash/MTGGrindcast. If you want to find us on social media, I'm tweeting from at CCR underscore Grindcast. Lee is also on Twitter. I'm at Lee McLeo, but I'm in unofficial Twitter jail right now. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> having trouble posting, right? Yeah. Whenever I only use Twitter on my phone, basically. Mm-hmm. So whenever I go to post or quote retweet anything, the app just crashes. So I've received a message that I'm not able to be anything but a reply guy now. So oh, that's, that's all I do. Elon Musk has got you. Yeah, I just wait for other people to post and then I reply to them. (laughs) I'll I'll try to tweet more so you have opportunities to... (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Stick your face into the sunlight of Twitter. Just really where I want to be. Just on Twitter all the time. This could be be big for you. You could escape the, the, like, sucking black hole of the app. Oh, no, I don't don't want to. I am completely entrenched. Fair enough lost without it what would i do at work when i'm done with all my stuff oh god you play arena on your phone well i don't know if my phone can handle that (laughs) (laughs) if it can't handle twitter i guess probably not getting too far in arena (laughs) all right thanks again everybody have a great week goodbye